week on Sportsmanlike Conduct, we stay into our usual football topics, the Lions, Michigan, and Michigan State. We'll discuss all their games this weekend as it starts to get near the playoffs for the NFL and bowl game season for college. And then we'll move into a little bit of preseason, or not really preseason, but tournament action for college basketball with the Maui Invitational and the PK-80 for Michigan and Michigan State. And then we'll also talk about a topic that Evan has at the end that uh, he is very interested in with Donald Trump. All that and more on Sportsmanlike Conduct. Welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, a pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andy McDonald. I will be your host. And with me tonight is Evan Petzold. Elena is not here. She was at the Pistons and Cavs game tonight. As weird as it sounds, she's probably pretty satisfied that the Cavs won because, as you all know, she's a LeBron James fan. So that's probably good for her. But, Evan, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's really interesting, you know, looking looking at sports really the past month, two months. I mean, we brought up the name Donald Trump more often than not. And that's something that <laughs> it, it's interesting. And, and like you mentioned, you know, we'll get to that towards the end of the show, but it really does just blow my mind. But, you know, first things first, excited to, to get things kicked off with some lines talking and just see where that takes us. No doubt. It's definitely getting to that time of the year where, I mean, sports just really start to matter um, or, and some start to get started again. So uh, overall, can't can't be disappointed if you're a sports fan right now. Um, as far as the Lions, I'm, I'm pretty sure every Lions fan out there is pretty satisfied right now. They've been playing pretty good as of late. Um, six and four with the win this weekend, and they are now four and one on the road this year. So I think, I think that's an impressive stat for them, you know, not really always the best road team, able to get a lot of wins so far this year on the road. Um, they beat the Bears by three points. They kind of got lucky at the end of the game to be able to get yeah. it um, with the way that that was going with, uh, you know, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky makes a couple great plays. After making a really, really bad play um, on a third down where he, he kind of took a sack, he just ran into the line, ends up throwing uh, downfield, makes a really nice play, and then sets him up for a field goal on the uh, following play. It was honestly kind of just a... I thought it would go in. I thought it would be an easier kick and just shanked it, and the Lions ended up getting lucky and kind of walking out of a win. I mean, they might have had to go to overtime and try to win it there. Um, I probably still would have taken the Lions in overtime, but nevertheless, anything can happen then. I mean, the Steelers learned that earlier this season against the Bears. So they're never an easy out. They're definitely a team that can beat you. But 3-7, and seven, again, it's only a three-point win, and the way they started this game is I think what kind of concerned you as a Lions fan right now. I mean, at one point they're down 17-7. to seven. It was 10-0 to zero to start the game. They kind of dig themselves these holes, but then they get out of it, and it, it just kind of keeps going on. It's a lot of the defense doing it at first, some turnovers. Stafford had the early fumble. That that kind of set them up for the uh, touchdown easy for the Bears. But then the Bears made a mistake of their own, Trubisky fumbling, and the Lions pick it up and run it in for a touchdown. That was their seventh defensive touchdown of the season. So their defense finds a way to score even when they you know can't stop them yardage-wise. They still find a way to be able to do that. Uh, Stafford pretty much did everything he could in this game to get him a win. He went 21-31, 299 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Again, not really much of a rushing tag. Theo Riddick was their best one at 35 yards, nine carries. I think, I think I can just you know stop reading off that stat by now. It's pretty much just where it's at. Really, what the impressive rushing stat in this game came from was Jordan Howard, 15 carries, 125 yards, and a touchdown. I don't think I saw that guy get tackled on a first tackle the entire game. So the, the Bears got something special there and a lot to build with, um, with that moving forward. But um, as of right now, I guess what I kind of just want to talk about this team is you know six and four. You're through 10 games. I think that's a pretty good. I mean, would, how would you rate that right now for the Lions? You think that that that's a good, good record for them to have right now? Should they be better? Should they be worse? I mean, I think I think maybe a couple wins better because there was uh, there was a lot of close games. I mean, they played Atlanta really close. Probably should have won that game. They played Pittsburgh close. Uh, you know, you know they couldn't do anything in the red zone in that game, and then that's the reason why why they lost by five. But then you look at Carolina lost lost them by three. New Orleans was a blowout, but it was just an offensive game and. and Really, you know, that game against the Saints really could have gone either way. It was just which team's offense is going to be more powerful than the other. And in that case, it was New Orleans. So, I mean, yeah, I, I do see the Lions maybe being a, a couple wins better than, than six and four, maybe maybe seven and three or eight and two. 
but they're at where they're at right now, and then there's nothing they can do do differently other than look forward. They got three straight wins, and that's that's what matters most right now for the Lions. And even looking back to to this Bears game, I mean Mitchell Trubisky, he he really did impress me in this one, and and, and almost in in a different way. It wasn't like you know he he did anything crazy, super special with, with the stat line. He didn't he didn't you know light up the Lions like crazy. But I mean the way that he was able to keep them in the game on that last drive was was really impressive. I mean. Fourth and thirteen, and you take a quarterback keeper and pick up a first down. I mean that that's huge. I think that's something that you know a, a good starting quarterback in the NFL is supposed to do, and he was able to do it. He really impressed me. But but as far as the season goes, six and four. You know the Lions are at where they're at, second in the NFC North with the Vikings ahead of them. They're going to have some ground to make up clearly, and that's gonna that's gonna start with Thursday's game for sure. And I think one thing right now that really I mean I think. A six and four record is good for them. I'm a person who came in the season and thought they go seven and nine. So looks like I'm going to be wrong there, without question. Um, they, they definitely got a team that's going to get some wins on the stretch, and they don't have a very hard schedule coming down the down the stretch here. I mean, there's a couple of road games there against Baltimore and the Bucks that could be a little bit of a trip up. But well, here's the thing. I think beginning of the season, we look at that Green Bay game on the road, and you think, okay, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. But I mean, now knowing yeah, Rodgers, yeah, exactly. So I mean, I think that's that's kind of how that's kind of how football works. I mean, you come into to the season with some expectations now. Now I know, you know, for college football with Michigan, you you did predict eight and four, and you're looking yeah, right about right. perfect there on that one. <laughs> I can one. say I got that right. I but but I mean, but I mean, going to the NFL, I mean, different teams have different things going on in each of their seasons, and there's injuries and there's suspensions, and and, and things just happen. And I think the Lions caught a break there with Green Bay, and you know, since that win, they've been capitalizing on all their opportunities. But like I said, it's going to come down uh, to, to this game against the Vikings. It's the last time they play them this year. And and after playing the Vikings, they only have two more uh, divisional games left. You know, you look back to the Week Four game when these two teams played. Lions won fourteen to seven. It was a it was kind of an odd game. Case Keenum was at quarterback then, and then Delvin Cook was a running back. Obviously, Cook now out with the with the ACL tear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I'm asking you with Latavius Murray in there. How does that kind of change up things for the Lions? I mean, is it really that much of a difference for them? Or, or not? Not really. I would say so as of right now because of the way the Lions have played the last two weeks. You got to look at how they've been against the running game, and Latavius Murray has actually filled in pretty well in the last few weeks. He's yeah. kind of coming to his own. It seems like he's learned that offense a little bit better. And this week again, they give up over 100 yards on the ground against a team that's three and seven. I know they do have a good running attack in Chicago. That's basically their basis. I kind of expect them to do well, but then against the Browns the week before, they allowed over 100 yards on the ground again. I think it's going to be that same kind of way against this team. I really don't see the Lions making that many improvements in a week, and also Jared yeah. McKinnon. He's a good running back out of the backfield that can catch, too, and he's also been able to run between the tackles at times. So the Vikings have a good rushing attack, even without Dalvin Cook in there. They've been able to find success in it. I mean, that offense is somehow just finding a way to find success. Thielen really just the one that's impressed everybody right now, the way Casey has been able to find them. But I think they have enough of a balance. They're still going to be able to run on the Lions. It, I think a lot of what the Lions do the rest of the season is just on the arm of Matt Stafford. I mean, you can mm-hmm. say that almost every single season. But, you know, I can't tell you how many times during this game when I was watching it, I kept saying, you know, Detroit, stop running the ball on first down because you're not getting anywhere. You're not you're not moving the ball. It's just a dead play. And I know you have to keep the other team honest, but you got to do something different. For one, they're handing it off at the shotgun five yards deep, So and they try to bounce it outside. That never works for the Lions. Their blockers just aren't quick enough. They don't get there. They don't make plays. It's not it's not going to work for them. If they're going to run it and try to keep them honest on first down, you got to at least go between the tackles. So even if you get stuffed for a yard or two, you're not going backwards. The odds of you going backwards just running straight up the middle on a you know three-yard deep handoff compared to trying to bounce it outside or, you know, do a little pitch play to the outside on a, out of the shotgun. Big difference there. But nevertheless, I mean, the Vikings have a great defense. So yep. it's really going to the, the, it's gonna be all Matt Stafford. He's going to have to beat their defense because I can tell you right now the Lions running game won't. So coming from the Lions, they have to do good in the ground. The, the Lions defense just simply needs to find a way 
to stop the Vikings' running attack. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you mentioned run defense, and you said, you know, over 100 yards of the Browns. It was actually over 200 yards. It was yeah, 201 yes. <laughs> yards uh, to, to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I mean, come on now. I mean, it, the Cleveland Browns. And then 193 on the ground to the Saints. You know, but but then— I expect but, that. But, but the then, Saints have a great running attack this But year. then they play these games where— you know they allow less than 100 yards to the Steelers and the and the, and the Packers, and you're just like, wait a second, that and that that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just been a lot of up and downs for for this run game defense, and I I think that's something they got to figure out because, yes, yes, Stafford's arm is a big deal, but at the same time, it's all it's a lot of the defense. I mean, you don't have running backs that are playmakers. You know, yes, you have good wide receivers, but you know you have to rely on your quarterbacks to get the ball to them first. So a lot of it comes down to the defense, and like you said, you know the Lions. You know, yes, they did. They did pick up that that fumbled snap by Trubisky and take it back for a score. And they've done that. You know, that kind of play seven times, whether it was an interception taken back or, or a fumble taken back, and it gave them a, a, a spark. And honestly, looking at most of the Lions' wins, I mean, when they do get a win, it's because the defense sparks the offense, and that's exactly. kind of how it's been. And that's how it's going to have to be on, on on Thanksgiving against the Vikings if they want to come away with a win. Yeah, it's, like I said earlier, you know, you had seven touchdowns, and they've only played in ten games this year from the defense. So. That yeah. shows you how often they've been able to do that on this season so far, and it's definitely gonna, that is definitely a key to this game. I would definitely say getting a turnover and being able to score with it or at least set up the offense for an easy touchdown because the Lions aren't going to get a lot of easy touchdowns in this game. I can tell you right now, this game is going to be one that goes down to the wire no matter what. I think it's close no matter what. The Lions, especially with it being at home, there's no way they're going to get blown out. They've played well on Thanksgiving over the past few years. They've shown up at that game, so we'll see if they're able to do it again. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you know against a team like the Steelers, it's like you know Le'Veon Bell's in there, so that's impressive when yeah. you can, when you can hold the run like that. But against like the Saints, Kamara and Ingram, that's been what, that's arguably been, and I would say so. Actually, I would vote for it that it's been the best running attack in the NFL this season, which is crazy when you have Drew Brees because all the Saints have been known for over the past bunch of years is passing the ball. ball. Yeah, that's what they're known for. So it's different in that way. But I mean, they've faced some pretty good running back tandems, but like, 200 yards against the Browns, that's just unacceptable. So that mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing they really got to work on, and they have to find a way to be able to make stops. I know you're missing Ziggy, but you might as well face it; he's not going to play. I wouldn't send that guy back next year. I don't know about you, but he has not played very much at yeah. all in the past three. He had one good season, and that's it. And he doesn't really play. And Zettel hasn't filled in and been all that bad for him. So I kind of like Zettel right now. I think that they have a a good uh, a good replacement there. Are the Lions going to win this game on Sunday? I mean, here's the thing: the Vikings are on a six-game winning streak. I mean, since losing to the Lions, you know, just breaking it down right down the list, they beat the Bears, Packers, Ravens, Completely Browns, Redskins, and Rams. And the Rams look really good. So. I mean, they, they really just turned everything around right then and there. And I, and I think when a team's on a, on a six-game winning streak, either they're due for a loss or they're just going to keep on rolling. And in, in my you know my opinion, I think they're, they're due for a loss. I think the Lions are going to win this one 21-17, not being a homer at all. Just, just being honest, I think the Lions are going to come out with a couple defensive stops to start you know, early and often, and that's going to translate into offense. Stafford's going to throw a couple touchdowns and— they're gonna take. They're gonna take a, a decent lead. Minnesota's gonna march back, but you know what's gonna happen? The last drive of the game, Stafford's gonna bring them back, and they're gonna win on Thanksgiving. That, that's just how I see it, kind of playing out. And I don't know if you agree with me, but also another question that I have for you is just rest of the season for the Lions. I mean, where, where do you see them finishing at this point? I don't know if you have the schedule in front of you or if you know, you know who they're playing. Yeah. But I mean, they got Minnesota, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Cincinnati, and in Green Bay. And you know, you're looking at three NFC North. Opponents and, and the Vikings, Bears, and, and Packers. So, I mean, where do you really see them ending out? I mean, I guess you know, breaking it down, you know, win loss, win loss. I mean, what, what do you think? Well, I mean, like I've said all season, the two games that really kind of scare me for them coming on the stretch that they, you know, historically they've kind of stumbled in those kind of games is against road teams that are average, and I can see that happening against like the Bucks or the Ravens. Those two games that kind of you know are a little bit a little bit of a trip up game. 
And also against the Bengals, I wouldn't throw that out there. I mean, those are three road games that are honestly going to be pretty key for them to be able to find a way to win. Um, but obviously it all starts this one Thursday. If they lose this game against the Vikings, you're done. You're not going to win the division. You're playing yeah. for the wild card at that point. So that, because I, I don't see the Vikings choking on the stretch. This team looks like they can win. They, they look like almost like a complete team, which sounds crazy, but they're not like the best team, but they have enough that they're able to just be able to win games. I mean, I th- I don't think Keenum's anything ex- like excellent, but he does get the job done. Nevertheless, I don't know. I, I, I think that the Lions definitely could make a wild card spot. I don't see him tripping up against Green Bay to end the season unless Aaron Rodgers were to come back from the dead and play again. I don't I don't see them losing that game. I definitely see them at least winning two out of the three um, against with uh, with the way this team's going right now. I see them winning two out of three against uh, the Bucks, Bengals, and Ravens. And that Bears game, it could go either way, but at home I don't see the Lions tripping up and losing that game. So I think it's a pretty good end of the season for them, and I'm also going to say they probably win here on Thanksgiving against uh, the Vikings. So I think they give themselves a shot at the division. I'm going to go 2017. I think that they end up winning on a Matt Prater field goal. From whatever distance, kind of get it last second. I think the Vikings will tie the game and the Lions get back and win it. It doesn't matter what distance for Matt Prater. I mean, Prater. that guy hits from anywhere. It, like, it, it doesn't matter. It and that, he's clutch. It's amazing. That kick that he had, dude, it was literally just like angling towards the field goal post mm-hmm. and then it just went right down the middle. And yeah. everyone was just like, what? Like, how did he do that with the football? You know, that's swirling win in Chicago. That, that's why he got his money, though. I mean, that's why he got the extension. He's, you know, he's the real deal. He's a guy that you they want on the field. Him. Oh, yeah, they better. They, <laughs> they better. better. No reason to get rid of a guy like that because he's winning half the games for him, it feels like. But, right. No, I think they end the season on a pretty good note. I think that this team's a little bit different than I thought they'd be coming into the season. And also some of the teams I thought might have been better um, on their schedule aren't as good anymore. So yeah. I, I thought maybe coming into the year that the Buccaneers would be a better team. I thought with Jameis Winston you know, kind of having more experience there, they'd be better, just not that good. I thought that the Ravens might be a better team. Yeah, they've got some wins, but it's not against that good of opponents either. I think the Lions might be a better team than them overall. So we'll see what happens. Um, it'll be interesting to watch the finish. But this game Thursday, I think, is one of the biggest games that the Lions have had in a long time, period. Oh, yeah. So I, I think I think they'll be prepared. Um, this is definitely a game that Matt Stafford wants to win and get under his belt. So we'll see what happens with them. Um, but moving into the college football uh, thing, and we talk about winning big games, well, that's something that Michigan cannot do. Um Again, they lose to Wisconsin, a game that I thought they would win. And I'm going to tell you, I really felt like I was right for a while when I was watching this game because Michigan did not look like um, the team that was necessarily worse in this game. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'll say that. Um, when I look at the whole entire game, there, there were some bad officiating calls. Obviously, the Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, t- non-touchdown should have yeah. been a touchdown. And then you look at some of those pass interferences late in the game. I mean, one of them was when it was already over when John O'Connor was in the game at that point. Forget it. But – before then, before then, um, when when Peters was still in, they had one that was like completely uncatchable. Was behind them. Um, they they called it again on them. It, it's there. There were some bad officiating calls, but Michigan beat themselves. And the fumble by Brandon Peters when you get down the two yard line, you can't do that. That's the young quarterback though that makes a mistake. And you know the the punt return, I just out of bounds. I mean the, the tackling and the coverage on that punt. I'm actually watching it right now on my computer. I I don't know how you don't make a tackle along that sideline. There, there's 10 white jerseys around the ball, and none of them stepped up and made a hit to stop them. Or you just kick it out of bounds. I mean, I, punting, when you give a punt returner a chance, just it drives me insane. I, I miss the 2007 Chad Henney days when you do a Coffin's corner and you punt it out of bounds and just try to pin him as deep as you possibly could that way and give him no chance to return it. That's how you give up stupid points. Michigan did that a couple times by giving him up themselves and giving it up right there. Also get the interception, couldn't capitalize there. I guess if if you're a Michigan fan right now, okay, and you're looking at and you're looking at this season, they're eight and three, and everybody wants to say what they want to say about Harbaugh. He can't get the big win. He's zero and eight against you know big games or whatever. Have won a road game still seven. Yes, it's all true, but I want to. I look at this team right now, 
And he took over a team that was full of seniors and, you know, pe- people that were not even his recruits that all happened to graduate or be good enough to leave for the NFL at the same time. Loses 10 players on his team. I mean, insane. The whole defense is pretty much gone. One starter comes back, or a couple starters come back, I guess you could say with Gary, but not really a starter. Mike McCray, the other one. They come back, and you have a bunch of replacements, and the defense is still as good as it is. Whole offense is pretty much lost, and you lose. You're on your third-string quarterback, technically. Whether Peters was the best one or not, he's your third-string quarterback. And you also lose Tariq Black. I just look at it as, you know, how can you really be that upset with this team right now if you're a Michigan fan? I, every week you just see them complaining, complaining about how they can't get the big win. I look at it as this team's still really young, and when you look at a game like this on the road that where college game day was, huge game, These are there was a lot of self-inflicted errors in that game that cost Michigan that game. Those are things you can look at right now and say in a year, I think we get over that hump and you start winning games. And and I think that that's where Michigan's at right now. I don't know how you feel about it. No, I mean, I, I, I think... I don't know. It's it's a good point. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would agree with it. I mean, I get why people are upset though because it's understandable. Because in three you know, years, you should have one big it, win in a program it, like it, Michigan, it, like that. Exactly. More than that. Exactly. And, and last year's win against Michigan State, really, I wouldn't call it a big win for Michigan. No. Michigan State was really was bad. darn awful. Yeah. <laughs> last year, but I mean, you have you have to think about it. I mean, have you have you seen Oliver Martin yet? Have you really seen Nico Collins no. yet? No, you haven't. You know, I mean, I mean, have you seen? Some of these guys in the offensive line and defensive line that are supposed to be special. No, you haven't. You haven't seen them yet. You haven't seen much of them. And I, I think that's going to come with time, though. And have you really seen Peters? You haven't really seen Peters. No, but what you saw from him on Saturday, I think, was impressive while he was in the game. Exactly. Besides the fumble. But have I mean, you? Re- but but have you really seen Brandon Peters play the best football he can play at the college level? Absolutely not. No. I, I do not. No. I do not believe that. He's played three games. Exactly. He came in the middle that, of the season. That, that, that's my point. That's what I'm saying. It is. You haven't seen him play his best football at all. Have you seen Kron Higdon, you know, carry the carry carry a running back crew through a season? No, he kind of just started to pick it up here and, and he started hurt. to get going, and then he gets hurt. You know, that, that's kind of where I'm getting at. Is you got you got these guys that that are good, but they haven't really developed into their full potential, their long lasting season potential. And I think that's where people have to sit back and they have to understand that that's going to come with time, and that that takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. You know, coaches can only do so much. And then one thing with coaches, Tim Drevno, that he, he he's got to go. Got to go. He's got to go. Every, I think a lot of people think in the state, and I think it's the one thing that's definitely he's got to okay go because he does not spice up the playbook. He leaves boring plays in there. That's all he calls, and they don't work all the time. And, and 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 the other thing, John O'Corn, he he's he's an awful backup quarterback. He should be a he should be a decent backup quarterback, but he is an awful backup quarterback. I actually I did a podcast with uh, Colin and Vaughn earlier uh, for Maze and Brew, and we were talking about this with the with the whole quarterback situation. If Wilton Spate were to somehow be able to play this weekend, which I don't think he will be able to, because I read again today he was in a red jersey. I would rather have Wilton Spate come into this game and play on Saturday, having that many weeks off, than having John O'Corn come Heck in yeah. and play quarterback again. Heck yeah, no, I agree without question. Because that's if Brandon Peters can't go. If Brandon Peters can go, absolutely Brandon Peters, but. We don't know if he's going to be able to go either. Concussion protocol, you know, that goes. You really never know until the day of the game. Yeah. So um, we'll see there. But I definitely I definitely hear out what you're saying. And a lot of – I think this might be a weird comparison. But what I compare them to is Michigan State basketball. That's a team last year, okay, that was went, what, around 500. They were very mediocre. But they have all this talent, and you're wondering to yourself, why can't we win games? Why can't we just be like everybody else that has, you know, freshmen come in and just and just win games? Well, because sometimes the maturity doesn't click that fast, and you you need to experience some of this stuff before you start winning these games. And I know it's very frustrating to hear that when you know Michigan had the chance to do that a season ago with a lot of seniors, but these are all Harbaugh's players now. 
And next year, to me, he has absolutely no excuses if he doesn't get the job done. It's just like Izzo this year in basketball. You know, the way that they ended that game against Duke, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that was that was not acceptable. The way they ended, they had that game, they took every punch in the mouth and punched him back, couldn't do it. It's the same kind of thing you've seen this year. Michigan takes the lead 10-7. to 7. They're, they're starting to get things going in their momentum. They get the interception from Hill and all that stuff, and they just can't capitalize. They come back out the next possession. Yes, there was a bad pass interference call in that possession, but their defense just folds and allows them to go down the field and score a touchdown. That's stuff that you simply can't do when a young team starts doing good. You have to be able to have the strengths of your team step up when the other the, the weakness of your team, which would be Michigan's offense, starts to finally do good. Well, here, here's the problem, I think, with, with Michigan football. It's you know, Don Brown can't keep sending his guys out there over and over and over yeah, again no. after three and out, after three and out, after three and out. I mean, because these guys get tired. Like the, it, it is football. It is an extremely physical and intense game. And when you're sending out players like over and over and over again and saying, all right, get another stop, get another stop, get another stop, and they're not getting rewarded for that at all. Yeah. And that, that takes a toll on you mentally, physically, it, maybe even emotionally. I mean, just, yeah. just absolutely drained of everything. You know your offense is going to do anything. And exactly. You had, you had to know. They said, I heard read multiple things that said, you know, when John O'Corn came in the game, we said we're going to win this game for Brandon Peters. Like, they have to know in their actual minds that they're not going to win the game when he comes in. I don't know it's, how you have confidence in a guy yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, and, and they even said, they, they even the players even said, when Brandon Peters, you know, came out against, against Rutgers, they were like, it was just a different feel. Yeah, like we, exactly. It was a different feeling. And that's because they had faith in him. Even they, when they went they down believed. in this game, I honestly believe that Michigan could come back and win the game if Brandon Peters wouldn't got hurt. I yeah. don't think they would have. I think they still probably would end up losing with the way that it went. But I don't know. I, I just feel like they have a better chance to come back and win. I guess I shouldn't say I believe they were going to lose. I just believe it could have went either way instead of being so one-sided. Because the minute John O'Corn came in, I didn't even want to keep watching. Like that, that That's where it's at. Um, I guess just to flip the wheels another way real quick, Michigan-Ohio State this week, obviously it's a huge week. Even in years when Brady Hulk was there and they weren't good teams, he got his teams repaired and ready to play in this kind of a game. Oh, yeah. And I think what you could say about Harbaugh right now is I think what it says is a lot of how this team comes out and plays. You know, you got guys like Higdon that were saying earlier this week that, oh, you know, we still should have won the game last year. Stop talking about last year. You're in this year now that that, that game is over. He needs to get this team ready for this week, and they need to be able to win. And what does Michigan have to do if they're going to have any chance to be able to win this game? Especially if John O'Corn has to play in it. You know, like that's what it's looking yeah. probably 75% chance he's going to play in it. Yeah, I mean, looking at, uh, I guess first off, injury report, I mean, Levert Hill's going to be back, ready to play. Sure. Higdon's going to be back, uh, they're, they're saying. And, I mean, I guess, I mean, you can't really say Wilton Spade's going to be ready, but, I mean, there's a chance that he gets cleared to practice uh, with, with contact uh, in practice this week. He went all last week without contact in practice, so he, he has a chance to possibly be ready but Peters is 50% right now and and really there's like a whole process to how he gets back from a concussion protocol mm-hmm. uh, as soon as you're symptom free you have to go a day where you do cardio and lifting to to exert yourself and show exertion and then if there's still no symptoms then you're allowed to practice without contact and then you're allowed to practice with contact so you kind of have to go through all those steps definitions and, and by the book yeah pencil. oh yeah I, I got it I got it all locked down and so I guess right now they're saying that he's at about 50% yeah so we'll see if he can you know, get another fifty percent by by the time you know the game comes around. It's but, gonna be huge if he plays. That, oh yeah, that makes for a complete sure. difference in the game for, for sure. Me, but and I think this Ohio State team, it's not the it's not the greatest team that they've ever had. You know, this isn't an Ohio State team that Michigan hasn't faced before. I mean, yes, they can they can score, uh, they can put points on the board like crazy, but it's not the greatest team they've ever had. Mich- Michigan's beaten an Ohio State team that's that's been better than this before. And right. I, I think 
Oh, they have. And in, in, in the history of this rivalry, you find a lot of games yeah. where the, the team that isn't supposed to win exactly. comes out and wins or at least gives them a dogfight just because and, it's what it is. And I think really the only way that Michigan wins this game, though, is if they make the most out of Ohio State's turnovers because I, I do think JT Barrett will turn the ball over, um, whether mm-hmm. that's one, two, three times, not not sure exactly how many, but whatever you can get, like you have to make the most of it. Special teams has to be good for Michigan. They have to do the little things, I believe. The, the offense will come. The defense will come. But if you can do those little things right, force those turnovers, make the most of those turnovers, and win the special teams game, I, I think you got a really good shot. John O'Corn, he's been below average when he's called on. So I think if, if Michigan wants a chance, you, you got to start Spate or Peters, it, it, even if even if they're, you know, even if they're ninety percent ready <laughs> Sad, to go. Yeah. I think you got to just you got to go, you got to go for it. And I and I know a lot of guys, a lot of times people say, you, you know, you got to protect them for next year. You got to make mm-hmm. sure that they're okay. But I, I just feel like this is one of those games, man, where you, you roll the dice and you they're going to want to play if they can play. And you, Jim yeah. Harbaugh is going to let them play if they want yeah. to play. I you can tell you, you, that right you roll the dice. You have to in this situation and in this game. And this is one of the games for Harbaugh where. I mean, he, he's getting it in, in his ear, too. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat. I'm not saying he's going to be fired because he's not. But I'm just saying, I mean, it, it's in his ear. I mean, he's, yeah. probably, he's probably pretty pissed off that he hasn't won a game against a, a big opponent. I don't opponent. think that he's happy about he's it. He's not. No, <laughs> not not at all. I think that people get it. But, you know, at the same time, you got to understand, like, okay, if he's not winning, I don't care if he gets it. I don't care if he wants to beat him. Yeah. You have to beat him. So, yeah, so he realizes that he has to win this game, mm-hmm. and he's rolling the dice. Oh, if they win this game... To me, this season for Michigan is 100% a success because yeah. coming into the year, I didn't expect this team to be a Big Ten championship team. Only fans that have ridiculous expectations would actually think that with a team that loses almost their entire starting roster. <laughs> now, if if they lose this game, let's just say, looking for looking towards to, to the beginning of next season, do you think he's on the hot seat even at all, even a little bit on the hot seat if they lose this game? I would definitely say so, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it sounds crazy because he does kind of like run everything at Michigan. You could basically call him their athletic director with the way that he <laughs> walks around that campus the way it seems to be. But at the end of the day, no, yeah, if they, if they lose this game and they lose their bowl game and they come out next year and they have another one of these seasons where it's between 8 to 10 wins, it's just going to be the. I mean, I don't know what Michigan fans are going to think is going to be better, but they're definitely going to. It's going to be way more complaining. It's going to be very understandable because a full year now of experience under all these guys' belts, they've played on the road in some you know pretty tough environments, and Michigan should actually be one of the more experienced teams coming into the Big Ten next year. So yeah, when you look at it from that way, there's no way that you can have a bad season next year. Michigan should be a team that is expected to be competing for the college football playoff, not necessarily make it. That's kind of crazy to expect. They're definitely someone that should be right there in the last week of the season playing for the Big Ten championship game and possibly a playoff spot. I think next year, um, without question. Otherwise, you got to start looking at your other options. But um, I guess just real quick, what do you guys think, or what do you what do you think <laughs> um, with uh, the score? Yeah, you know, I as much as I, it's a very tough game to predict. You know, as much as I think it is a rivalry game, and there there is this, you know, there is a situation where both teams are going to play good. Mm-hmm. I think it really does depend on on if Peters plays. And right now, if the game would be played today, Peters would not be starting. Uh, clearly, it would be O'Corn in there. So I'm just going to go with the situation that would have O'Corn as a starting quarterback. Yeah, I'm going go, so to go. Right yeah, you now. have to. You have to. You can't. You can't expect Peters to to get the start in this one at, no. at this moment. So I'm going to go Ohio State 28, Michigan 10. Um, you know, with the mindset that John O'Corn is a starting quarterback. I'm going the same exact score as you. I think that's just we think it, alike, and it's pretty yeah, obvious to predict where Michigan's at right now. The reason I say this game might be difficult to predict is because you don't even know what Ohio State team you're going to get every week, it seems to be. They can be world beaters one week and be the best team in the country, and then the next week they come out and they get flattened and give up 55 points to Iowa. So, like, you really don't know where they're at, but overall I think that they'd be able to just take advantage of Michigan's offense not being able to move the football, and it's one of those Michigan scores 10 points, 
hangs around for a while and they can't get the job done because they don't have enough firepower yeah. on offense. I mean, and then just real quick, just going back to what we were saying about you know beating your rivals and if he's on the hot seat, uh, as far as Jim Harbaugh goes, if he does lose this game, looking at the 2018 season, they open this season on the road against Notre Dame, and then they play West, and, and then they play and then they play year. at home against Western Michigan, and that that is an in-state. I mean, it's an in-state battle. I'm not going to call it a rivalry because it's not, but yeah. <laughs> it's still an in-state battle, and that's that's a big game that people are going to be paying attention to. The same way that it was when Michigan State played Western Michigan this year, it was a game that people were just they kept their eyes right, on. You, you care about, but it. I mean, I but mean, I mean, you want to talk about rivalry games next year? I mean, you got the Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State as, as your as your big three. You toss Wisconsin in there too. Penn State's in there as well. I mean, those are a lot of big games next year they're going to have to play. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I definitely do agree that if, if if next season it's the kind of the same product out of the offense, that there's going to be issues, and then that's for sure. There definitely could be a change or some changes made. I think there doesn't even want Draveno, but we'll find out. We'll see what happens in the game uh, this weekend. And I'm sorry, Michigan State fans, cut your uh, your topic a little bit short here in football, but let's be honest, I don't think that Michigan State uh, is going to lose any more games here down the season. No. But we will talk about them for a minute here. Um, they did play Maryland this past weekend, seventeen to seven win. You want to talk about one of the most like boring games I've watched? That that, that was probably yeah. one of them. That it was just kind of like, eh. We well, couldn't, couldn't even see half yeah, the game. Exactly. There was the snow was the everywhere. Snow was you terrible, just... and it was crazy. I mean, like you were yeah. pointing out to me earlier, two for fourteen for the work for twenty yards is almost laughable. I, I mean, I don't know. And LJ Scott finally has the game that he had to have, but who can't run over Maryland? I mean, that every team that I think has played against him has yeah. done it. One hundred forty-seven yards, twenty-nine carries, and a touchdown for LJ Scott. Spartans are also eight and three. But they technically, and I believe, I could be wrong here with tiebreakers and stuff, but if Ohio State were to lose this weekend, I think that they would win the, the that side of the Big Ten because they beat Penn State and they beat Ohio State. So, I mean, I could be wrong because if if Penn State were to win, I think they would have a better overall record, but I don't know if that is what. No, no, because Mich- Michigan State lost to Ohio State. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. That. So, what, no, so pretty much what happens, what goes down is if. If Ohio State lose, Ohio State's automatically in because yeah, if, if, no they lose, they if they lose, if they lose, they have the same record as Penn State in the conference, and they beat Penn State, so they're in. And so then no Wisconsin, what, it's going it's to be Wisconsin, Ohio State. Yeah. So no matter what. And it, real quick, off topic here, Wisconsin. I am so sick of hearing about their coach Chris and everything because they literally are eleven and zero, and they're the biggest joke team at eleven and zero. I since like Iowa when Iowa went over there. They play in the worst side of the division. They haven't played any of the real teams in the conference yet. I mean, they already have it set to be Ohio State and Wisconsin that uh, that games. So that's finally gonna be a game they play against. Literally, if you look at their schedule, how does how is that team deserving of playing in the in the college football playoff this year? They're not. Their biggest They're win not. is against Michigan, who isn't even good. So they get. Let's let's break it down. Utah State, Florida Atlantic, BYU, Northwestern, Nebraska, Purdue, Maryland, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan. I don't even think he needed to finish. I think he could have stopped their five teams. Yeah. It's literally ridiculous that, like, I saw a graphic after the Michigan and Wisconsin game, like, kind of comparing him and Harbaugh. It just it drives me nuts because you play on the side of the Big Ten that literally has nobody. Well, here's, the, here, here's the problem. I think, let's just say Big Ten championship game comes around. I mean, what, what if Wisconsin does beat Ohio State? Do I think they're worthy of a playoff spot still? No, no I, I don't really think so. I mean, I think I think part of being a part of the college football playoffs is you prove yourself the whole year. Yeah. And yes, they're undefeated, so they're not going to be go. they're, they're not going to be left out. They That's the go. thing, they, and they should. If but I, but I think I but I they yeah exactly they'll go <laughs> they'll go. But I just think that you know Ohio no, you State can, or Wis I mean I think Ohio State or Penn State would even be a better option or or you, Michigan State even though Michigan State looks pretty pretty bad down the stretch. If you win your games, then sure you should be there. But the fact of the matter is, you, you make your non conference schedule. Yeah. 
why schedule that many weak teams and you're a team like Wisconsin? You should be playing against better teams. So I don't want to get into that too far, but I did <laughs> just want to bring it up because it really drives me nuts and people say that they're like that good of a team. Or It's like, no, they're not. Well, my, well my, my prediction is they get smoked by Ohio State. Yeah, they're going to get smoked. Yeah, I, I think that they lose in that game for sure. And I think if they made it to the playoff, they get smacked by whoever yeah. they played there. It's just how it would go. But anyways, Michigan State, so they are not in contention for the, the uh, Big Ten titles. They're pretty much just going to go to a, a bowl game as well. Um, and this Maryland game... Yeah, a lot of the weather, the weather does change things. I think I think uh, Brian Lewerke would agree with that now um, <laughs> because he actually had to throw the ball for some time in this game. He couldn't complete it. Um, but seriously, I, Maryland kind of started to come back towards the end um, a little bit. I was watching it, and they, they scored a touchdown, and they put together another drive, and Michigan State was able to get the stop um, near the end of the game. But, I mean, really, y- y- it was a lot closer than I think it probably should have been. But Maryland, I guess, is one of those teams that can maybe hang around. DJ Durkin's not a bad coach or anything. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, do you – do you see Michigan State losing at all next week? No, no. I mean, they're going to walk into Rutgers and, and smack them. I got it's Rutgers. But, I mean, <laughs> but you know what? I think it's going to be a little bit closer in the beginning, maybe than most people think. But Michigan State will pull away at the end. The defense will shut them out. I'm going to go 35-10, and this one a little bit closer than maybe most would think. But I don't see Michigan State putting up more than 35 points on on really any team at, at this point. No, they should be. If you just hand the ball to LJ Scott again, he should be able to run all over them. I, I don't think that they struggle at all. Yeah, they'll get a comfortable lead and just kind of kind of hang out there. Michigan, Michigan State should finish the season nine and three, which I think is 100 percent a success. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. the bowl game, I'm not including that, but regular season, they should they should finish nine and three, and that's a that's a pretty damn good season for them, mm-hmm. considering where you know they came from a year ago. So, um, that's, if you flip the record, <laughs> three and nine to right. nine and three, so that that shows you where Mark D'Antonio's at. The guy's a great coach. Can't say enough about them, but I i mean, really, the, this team's going where it's going. It's not going anywhere too special or anything like that. So it's, you kind of know where they're at. With the game being this week, I think that the, the Michigan-Ohio State one was a little bit more worthy of a little bit more to talk about. Yeah. Um, but moving into basketball, we can start with Michigan State there. Um, and that's why I kind of started talking about earlier with that whole loss to, to Duke. Um, and that, that's where we'll start with that. Um, they were in that game the whole time. And it just nonstop, whenever Duke looked like they were going to run away with it, they just came back. They'd come back, and they make big plays, and they, and they get their crowd doing it. You can see their bench was into it. I felt like Michigan State, when I was watching that game, was just really believing that they had it. Like, they, they were going to win that game, and no doubt this was going to be – this was the win for them. This was finally that win they are going to get because, really, since 2015, Tom Izzo hasn't been beating any good teams. And, and even in 2015, he really didn't do all that much. So, you know, the, the whole upset in the, the first round of the tournament uh, – God, well, I can't think of their name right now. Middle Tennessee. But Middle Tennessee. Yeah. They – they haven't beat a good a good team. I forget what the ranked team margin was in a long time, and, and this finally looked like it was going to be the game to do it. And what, like I said, their their players again, they're a bunch of sophomores with a lot of talent, showed immaturity at the end of the game again, and it's not acceptable. I don't think right now for Michigan State, and I, I think Michigan State fans would agree. You know, you got to win those games at the end of the game, and, I, and some people might just say, "Oh, wait till March, I'll be there." If I'm a Michigan State fan, I'm a little bit more concerned than that. They lost a game like that when they kind of had me. Then, granted, mm-hmm. Grayson Allen went Steph Curry on everybody, <laughs> but seriously, like. You, you got to have answers, and yeah. coming out of a timeout, I think towards the end of the game, I, there was the possession that kind of changed it. Miles Bridges just pulls up with, like, 12 seconds left in the shot clock on a, a contested three-pointer. That's what you can't have your star player, uh, national player of the year candidate. You can't have him doing that. And instead, Grayson Allen comes back down, takes his time, ends up getting an open shot and hits it and doesn't miss it. That There's a difference there. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about ranked teams that they lost to. Even just looking back to last year, lost to number 10 Arizona, number 2 Kentucky, Number twenty Baylor, number five Duke, and that that's just non-conference. I mean, really, the only teams that Michigan State's really beat that's ranked in the past have been Big Ten opponents, mm-hmm. and those are the teams that you know they they play twice in a season, and it just happens that they split or something like that. They really haven't been a team that's won too many 
too many non-conference ranked games. Obviously, all those rankings that I just tossed at you were all yeah. you know those teams' rankings at the time, <laughs> not not where they ended in the season. But Arizona, Kentucky, Duke, they all ended still pretty high in, in the rankings by the end of the season that year. But yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I feel like in, in this game against Duke, it was, like you said, they kept clawing back and fighting back. But it was almost like they were playing catch-up yeah. the whole game. And it was like, you, and I don't know, I think for me... Uh, I mean, as, it's a reasonable just, team. It's the number one team in the country. No, so. yeah, yeah. But I, but I just feel like for me, I mean, as a as a basketball fan in, in in general, you know, when you see teams that that continuously, you know, come back and then they lose it and then they cut you, do you think eventually they're just not going to be able to, to make back. that push? And which Michigan State wasn't able to do, but until the end of the game, yeah, it was literally just the it, last. It, it was the last four possessions. They just let it get away from. Them. They and, turned it over twice, and then Bridges took that shot that was contested. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I guess that's just one of those situations where, I mean, the the better team won. I mean, the, the more oh, experience, yeah, the better team won. And then they, I guess, kind of prevailed in the end. You could, you could say that Michigan State and Duke are right there with each other, but I, I would say that Duke's probably the better team um, right now overall. I know that Michigan State has all this talent. I think Michigan State will be better. Oh, yeah. I think oh, Michigan yeah. State will be better. If it goes on, Michigan yeah. State has no reason to not be a better team. And if they're not, then that's you're a really, shame. That's a shame. Yeah, that you, is a you shame. really got to start like looking at your coach and saying, listen, man, I know you're a legend, but what's been going on these past couple of seasons? Yeah. So this is not acceptable anymore. I don't think it would be – like I, I said coming into the season, with all the talent and what returned and they were able to actually get Miles Bridges to come back and play for them – it's a Final Four bust for me. Oh, and, yeah. And that's the kind of game right there that they're going to see again when they get in the tournament, and they're going to have to find a way to finish it. They're going to see it more as the season goes on. I think, you know, the one thing I can recall from last year was, you know, f- the first time they played Michigan, they finished that game. They were able to, like, finish it at home with their home crowd, but they go on the road and they get smoked by yep. Michigan. I was actually at that game. That was crazy. I, cannot, I couldn't believe it. You know, I going to that game, I was like, this is just probably going to be Michigan State's going to win it. You know, it's not going to be close. Mm-hmm. And then Michigan just comes out and pulls the doors off them. And Tom Izzo says after the game, you know, that team out there had experience and knows what this kind of a game means. Our guys don't know that, and that's something we're working on right now. So I know it's been something he's been trying to emphasize to his players to be able to get them better, and that's the kind of finish right there. And I, I know he was thoroughly disappointed with the way that the game finished and everything. You could just see in his face when he had to call that timeout and they're down by six points. It was just like complete, like, I can't believe you guys just let that get away from you like yeah. that because it was in some of the dumbest ways with the turnovers they had. But nevertheless, they got this PK-80 bracket um, coming up here, and they have a game against DePaul to open it up. Um Probably gonna win there. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, well. Here, here's the thing with Michigan State in this PK80 tournament. They they get a chance to really redeem themselves. I mean, do. they're they're really looking for a, a nice setup with North Carolina in the championship game of that one because North Carolina at the top of the the bracket, Michigan State at the bottom. I don't think UConn and Oregon are the teams that they've been in the past. So probably yeah. not gonna be. I think Michigan State wins that game. I mean, one of, they might they might play them close, but I think yeah. Michigan State Michigan State will win it in the end. Mm-hmm. And and North Carolina is gonna beat Portland, and then they're gonna end up beating Oklahoma or, or Arkansas. In my opinion, and it's going to come down to North Carolina and Michigan State, and it's going to be one of those games where Michigan State sitting back and they're looking like, okay, this is this is our chance to kind of redeem us from that from that Duke loss. This is our opportunity to to get that win. And the interesting thing with uh, you know, this PK80 tournament, it has a lot of darn good teams in it. Uh, there's there's two brackets: the victory bracket and the motion bracket. And the motion bracket, they have Portland State, Duke, Butler, Texas, Florida, Stanford, Ohio State, and Gonzaga. And then, like we said in the victory bracket. Portland, North Carolina, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Yukon, Oregon, Michigan State, and DePaul. That's just a lot of good teams playing in in you know the, the same area mm-hmm. in, in Portland, oh, Oregon. Yeah, that's, good that's, teams. That, that's a lot of good teams, a lot of good teams there. So I think this tournament is really gonna show us a lot about not just Michigan State, but just college basketball in general, how how some of these teams fare up against, you know, other other top opponents. But 
I mean, it's from Michigan State. They might not have uh, they might not have Miles Bridges there for that first game against DePaul, and I, don't, I wonder how much of a difference that that might make. Yeah, being being the college basketball nerd that I am, I, I love watching all these these tournaments open the oh, season. They're usually pretty it's good. So much fun. Like usually getting good. Does it does it not make you feel like it's March? Yep, it does. It makes it, you feel it's, like it's, it's great. March. It's, it's, it's kind of gets you going. It's really the only time you pay attention until the Big Ten, like or the you know whatever conference whatever conference you follow. It yeah. starts back after that, and that's when you kind of start paying attention to it again. But this is definitely like what you open the season with. Um, to get you excited. One thing that needs to be brought up too is Miles Bridges in the game they played on on Sunday. Um, actually rolled up on his ankle, and the I, I Chris uh, Solari that writes for the Detroit Free Press said that Tomaso says the swelling went down in Miles Bridges' left ankle. The X-rays are negative, but won't know if he for a day or two if he can play in the PK80. So. Does that mean PK eighty first game or PK eighty first round? That's that's that's, that's what I'm wondering. Sure. It's probably one of those injuries that's kind of kind of linger, and, mm-hmm. you, and you, it, it could last that long. It may not. So you really don't know. I mean, they had till Thursday to heal it up, and they came back negative. More than likely, he's probably gonna be fine in a game against DePaul. I think you said him. Yeah, he might not play, and I, I, I think that I think that'd be the right decision too. You don't want to lose your star for the rest of the season because him and Ward underneath right now, man, that's looking like a good combination. Nick yeah. Ward has really impressed me so far, and he did a lot in that game against Duke. He, he was a, a big reason why they were coming back with some of the plays he was able to make he, underneath. Yeah, he's just an animal inside. He's an animal. Yeah, he's, he's a guy. A he's beast. the kind of guy right now that like you know if your other teams in the Big Ten, you're looking at it and you're like. How am I going to stop that guy? Like you know, Miles Bridges is like physically big and stuff, but just that guy inside in the paint—that's going to be tough to put one guy in him all game. I mean, I I even think looking at this Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State basketball game. I mean, if you even want to just preview Preview it this early, yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting because yeah, Michigan State. I, they, Mo they, Wagner's they, got a long way to he, go. He does. He's be able to he does. Find a way to stop anything like that. He does, and I, I think you know he might be quicker than than Ward, but as far as just hanging with him inside, John, they're going to they're going to have to double seven foot one guy. He played pretty yeah. well the other night. So we'll see you know what? They going. they might play big against Michigan State though and go Teske and Wagner. I mean, I'm not. Hey, who knows? I talk, when when I talked to Beeline the other night, not me specifically, but when we uh, when we when he came out for the press conference, he said that. Um, playing them both at the same time right now wouldn't be, you know, something that they would probably do. But he did say that, it, it, you know, it depends on the matchup as the season goes along because of the way that, you know, he was able to play in that game. I think it kind of changed, you know, John's thinking a little well, bit. Yeah, I mean, here's the, well, here's the thing. I mean, you you get to that January 13th game against Michigan State. You already have, you know, this Maui tournament under your belt. You got North Carolina under your belt. You got early Big Ten games against Indiana, Ohio State. And then you got UCLA and Texas under your belt. I mean, then you you got games under your belt. You're going to be playing Purdue before then. You're going to be playing Iowa before then. So those are teams that that are that are darn good teams. Yeah. And some of those teams have a lot of size. So I think they're going to find out real early if that's a combination they can go with. Yeah. Something I definitely see them using with Michigan State though, if they can go to it, because they're they're going to have to play them big. I, I just don't see, I, I I just don't see them being able to hang with Nick Ward if it's just Wagner on him and then. You have Duncan Robinson at the four. You, <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. double with Duncan. That's Duncan Robinson the problem. Can't you know, yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely something Michigan needs to look into, and it, it would change Beeline's offense a lot. But I guess it's a good time to transition over into Michigan. Um, they have a pretty big game tonight. We're recording this on Monday. Um, they play against uh, LSU tonight, and I know that LSU, their team was 10 and 21 last year. They won one of their final 18 games, whatever the hell it was. They're not. They haven't been historically good. They have a new coach. They were able to put up over 100 points in their last game. So they have an offense that can score, but the problem is against a team like Sanford, they gave up 86 points. So. And they were able to drop in 15 threes against them. And Michigan's a team that shoots the three pointer historically. Hasn't been that good this season for them yet, but they're, they're trying to get there. I mean, they've had a couple games where, you know, they've been putting them up. They just haven't been falling yet. This is, uh, you know, the kind of, I, I look at this tournament and I say to myself, you know, last year when you look at Michigan's non conference season with a team that was kind of, kind of similar to this one in some ways, with, you know, players that were still trying to find their roles coming back from injuries and everything, they came out and they won the 2K Classic. And I think a lot of these, these tournaments actually take away some of your nerves as a player. You don't have like any of that home pressure, none of the away, and these stadiums tend to be kind of empty sometimes. I mean, even if they are full, they're not that big. 
So it's kind of a game where Michigan can come out and probably kind of – I think they can roll. I don't think they're really going to have too much trouble with LSU. Um, but they, they definitely need to get a win. I mean, like John Beeline said after the game um, on Thursday, um, after uh, Southern Mississippi, he said that, you know, they right now he doesn't know how good this team is, and he's he doesn't know how they're going to do in this tournament, but he guarantees that they're going to get a lot better. And I think that John probably expects them to win this game tonight. They're favored for a good reason. I mean, LSU is not a team that has been that good in the past few years here. But nevertheless, it, it, it's a game. It's a measuring stick for Michigan, I think, tonight and the way they're able to handle it. They've allowed teams in the non-conference so far to be able to play very close to them. And I think this game tonight is going to say a lot about um, what Michigan's able to do, and then they're going to get that game more than likely against Notre Dame in the second round, which is going to mm-hmm. be an absolutely huge game for them to be able to, you know, try to prove themselves right away. If they win a game like that, Michigan will be in the top twenty-five in the next the next ranking. I can almost guarantee you that. Um, but so far, I mean, this this tournament also has Marquette, VCU, Wichita State, and California, both really good games earlier. And those teams historically have programs that have been good. I can tell you right now, VCU, Michigan beat them a couple years ago in the tournament. Wichita State was in the same Final Four as Michigan a few years ago. They're teams that are always around the tournament. Marquette historically has a pretty good basketball program. So there's yeah, I mean, teams in this tournament yeah. that are good. I mean, speaking of those two games right there, I mean, Wichita State came back from, I don't know what it was, down 18, 18 or something like that yes. to end up winning by 10. So they moved on, mm-hmm. and Cal got bumped to the loser side, and then Marquette beat VCU. So, I mean, those are just those are just two really good games right there yeah. in, in the tournament. Actually, and Notre Dame's game should be done by now. I haven't really looked at that, but, I mean, I'm I'm guessing they won. <laughs> early, early, uh, early second half, Notre Dame's up six. They're up by six? Up wow. by six, yeah. Wow, closer game than yeah. some might have thought. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's something you got to watch out for. Shemonade, I mean, they're, yeah. they're the team that hosts the tournament. Yeah, they're, they're a D2 school, actually. I don't know if you, you knew yeah, that, no, but they are in Division two. If Michigan were to lose this game, this is why this is huge. If Michigan loses this game tonight and doesn't get the win, they play that, they will most likely play them. I mean, I'm assuming that Notre Dame's going to take care of business and finish it off there. We'll find out. But if Michigan has to play them in any circumstance, that doesn't count on Michigan's final win-loss record because mm-hmm. it's the Division Two team. Yeah. So you're talking about a difference from being able to play a team that's number 13 in the country and looks very good in your resume when Michigan has a very, very difficult non-conference season. So, like, you know, it's yeah. kind of like... I mean, I, I'd even, I'd even be at, or they play a team that isn't going to count for them at all. Well, I'd even rather see Michigan, you know, beat LSU and then lose close to Notre Dame because that's going to mm-hmm. be huge on a resume at the end of the year. year. Yeah, I mean, especially looking at historically knowing Michigan struggles early in the season, being able to say, yeah, that they hung with Notre Dame and Notre Dame's, you know, turned out to be a pretty darn good team. Yeah, that that's always big for your resume. So yeah, I mean, a, a win against LSU um, here tonight for Michigan is is absolutely big for them. I think you know there's some guys that you got to watch out for. I mean, the first one, freshman point guard Tremont Waters. He leads the team with 16 points and seven assists per game. Four-star prospect out of high school, 43rd in the nation. I mean, the guy has really all the accolades coming into to college that that you really want, mm-hmm. and and he's a guy that you you just got to watch out for. Michigan favored by just a handful of points. Yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be a really good basketball game. I think it's going to come down to shooting the basketball. If, you know, Michigan, we we know that LSU allows a lot of shots, and, a lot of threes. and we, yeah, yeah, Samford hit a bunch of them like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier uh, before the show, and I, I think. Yeah, it's one thing if you get your shots off, but it's another thing if you make them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's come down to. Wagner Wagner struggled from deep. Matthews hasn't been too hot from deep lately. Charles Matthews just needs to figure out what he's doing. You know, Rockman yeah. set up for the game, and Rockman's been kind of the guy so far from this year that's been able to really, you know, score points for them. And the team needs to kind of bail him out, be able to get points. He's been that guy so far. He said, right now, we're taking a lot of shots that we shouldn't, and we're forcing them up, and we're not generating enough shots that we should take, or we're taking shots too early in the shot clock. It's just a lot about this team gelling right now, and I think it's what you kind of had to expect coming into the season when you lose guys like Derek Walton and Zach Irvin. That's this ball movement right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all it is. You got to be able to move the ball around the court and oh, out of Michigan's eleven guys. turnovers the other night. I can guarantee you five of them. I don't have it in front of me, but it's just an estimate. 
came from Jaron Simmons or Charles Matthews because when they come down the floor, they thought someone was going to go somewhere and they just throw it away and out of bounds. It was like I, the one I can remember specifically. Charles Matthews had a breakout with a three on two and he like no looked and then tried to look back to go dunk Robson in the corner. Robson stopped to the wing, wasn't there. It's like you just it, you can just see these guys don't really know each other's game mm-hmm. all that well yet. Um, Jaron Simmons actually did play a little bit better the other night. It wasn't a, a, a stat line that wowed you, but on both of Michigan's runs, they kind of won the game. The one to, the early in the game and the one late in the game, you know, and they ended up on like a 25-7 to seven run, I think it was, um, to actually finish the game. Jaron Simmons was the point guard, and it kind of, you know, threw you off a little bit because Xavier Simpson was the guy that played. He had 13 points against Central Michigan. Um, played a really good game overall, and it was I mean, probably his best game he's played in his Michigan career so far against, you know, Roundtree, but he allowed 21 points to Roundtree. And then, you know, Tyree Griffin, who was the guy that I expected, you know, coming in the game to be good for um, USM, they they were he was able to put up 15 points and lead all scores. So Beeline said after the game, and he didn't directly say Simpson's name, but you could kind of tell that he was hinting at it. He said, you know, the, the thing I like about Jaron right now is we're not known as a defensive team, but he's playing defense right now, and he's playing hard, and he's, you know, getting to the ball. And, you know, he wants to play minutes. He's going to have to be able to, you know, play good defense to be able yeah. to earn those minutes. And I think he was trying to say, you know, Xavier wasn't doing that when he was in the game, but when, you know, Aaron was, he was he was able to do it, and he was able to offer operate the offense in a way that, you know, kind of Michigan's offense flowed through it. Yeah, I think, I mean, for for the point guard situation with Michigan, I think it all starts with the defense. I mean, I, I yeah, you, you lost Derek Wallen Jr. and he he could hit he could hit from deep, he could attack the basket, but the guys that you have right now at, at point guard, they're really not guys that you're going to look at and and have them and call on them to be flashy scorers night in and night out. So I think for John Beeline. It it starts with it starts with defense for for his point guards and, and even looking at the, this Maui Invitational just just one more quick time mm-hmm. and let's say let's say Michigan does go all the way and win this thing they beat they beat a ranked Notre Dame team and they would also beat a ranked Wichita State team if Wichita State beats Marquette mm-hmm. that that looks really darn good and like you said I mean they they be ranked if, and they, if they'd Michigan be up there, wins that they'd game, be up there you know John Beeline's probably gonna say after that I know where my team's at now yeah. we're not as far back as I may have thought if they win the whole thing where do you put them in the in the rankings after it's all said and done they're probably in 18 18 17 yeah. they don't jump up anywhere crazy I mean these teams that they're playing against aren't like you know super highly ranked or anything but it's it's I mean Michigan would definitely crack the top 25 it'd be a proving point but they still have a lot of games they have to win their schedule. Yeah. And in college basketball, it happens. You're going to lose games. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think Michigan will win this tournament. I think they'll probably lose in Notre Dame in the second round if they get there, to be honest. But I, I I do expect to win against LSU tonight, and I expect a good game against Notre Dame. And I think that they kind of show, you know, a, a good side, a positive side. It's only going to get better as the season goes on. It's John Beeline. What does he do with his teams? They always start slow, but they finish very, very strong. That. That's where I see this team going. I think it's the same kind of way. I and that, mean, that's a lot better than that's a lot better than starting fast and then finishing, finishing slow. Bad, so, so you know what? That that's okay. Yeah, we'll we'll see where they're at. We'll see where both these teams go. But Evan, you had a you had a topic you wanted to bring up real quick, and I think we can go through that real quick. Here. Oh, we we can get through it. We can take some time for it. <laughs> um, I mean, just I mean, nothing that I I really have too much of a, of a strong opinion on. But Donald Trump in the sports news once again is pretty much. President Donald Trump against the news. big baller brands, LeVar Ball. So it's the President of the United States against big baller brand right now, which, I mean, really, if you're LeVar Ball, this is this is what you want. I mean, your company's going to blow up. Yep. That That's kind of what you were maybe looking for. But anyway, backstory, uh, LeVar Ball's son, LiAngelo Ball, and two other players were arrested on November 7th, and it was all about you know stealing items from, from high-end stores, and one of them was Louis Vuitton sunglasses, it was all, I think it was all next to, right next to the uh, team hotel where UCLA was staying before they went to Shanghai to play against Georgia Tech. And so, yeah, so they were arrested, and Donald Trump tweeted after um, they, they were out of 
I guess, confinement or whatever they were in. I mean, they were staying in a, in a fancy hotel, just kind of hanging out, waiting for the legal process to be over. And Trump tweets, Now that the three basketball players are out of China and safe from years in jail, LeVar Ball, the father of Leangelo, is unaccepting of what I did for his son and says that shoplifting <laughs> is no big deal. I should have left them in jail. Oh and that, that, God, that, that's that's from Don, that is a tweet from Donald Trump. And that, that was a response to what LeVar said on ESPN when LeVar Ball said, what was he over there for? Don't tell me nothing. Everyone wants to make it seem like he helped me out. He's pretty much saying Trump did nothing. And then Trump followed uh, up with another tweet saying, shoplifting is a very big deal, as it should be five to ten years in jail, but not to father LeVar, not to father LeVar Ball. Should have gotten his son out during my next trip to China instead. China told me, China told them why they were released. Very ungrateful. And that's another tweet from Donald Trump, because we know he likes to go on the Twitter world and oh, send he does. his he thoughts. He likes to type in capital letters. But I mean... <laughs> I mean, if you're LeVar Ball, and why why are you doing this? I mean, I mean, Donald Trump said he was going to get him out, and he got him, and they got out. So I mean, I'm not. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I would say that Donald Trump it was he was probably one of the people that helped get them out. Yes, would you say? I mean, I maybe I don't I mean, know how it all works. That, that's really, that's, that's, honest, the, that's the way it seems, though, right? It seems yes. like Donald Trump was in contact uh, with China and talked to them and and got those players out and got them safely back to the United States. That's the way it seems, right? And that's the way that Donald Trump said it happened. And I, yeah, I would agree with that. You know, he claims that people, he claims that the players were told that Donald Trump helped them. That that's what he says in his tweets. Here's my thing. If you're LeVar, I don't know why you say it in the first place. Why does it matter? Your kid's back. Shouldn't you be happy that your kid's back? Shouldn't you be worried about yeah. your kid maybe a little bit more than, than the president? Well, that's the problem. He seems to worry about everything else over his kids sometimes. It's almost right? what's going on around his kids or what attention he can bring to his kids rather than just caring about what his kids, his kids putting up double doubles in the NBA, but we're not talking about that right now, are we? Mm-hmm. We're talking about something else going on. With the president, and it, to me, it's just kind of ridiculous that this kind of stuff keeps happening. And when you got two drama queens going at it, it's going to happen. And here, here's another quick thing. Okay, looking at looking at UCLA, Leangelo Ball, he's on he's on his suspension yes. right now. He, it, you know, there's Michigan plays him this year. Yeah, and it's it's a suspension where it's up to the school. Whenever they want to bring him back, they can bring him back. It's not a it's not a five game. It's not a seven game. It's an it's an indefinite suspension. So whenever the team's ready to bring him back, they can do that. There's a lot of drama surrounding UCLA, but you have to remember you had another ball kid coming in too mm-hmm. at some point in Lamelo. I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you do you think? I mean, I'm I'm this this might be a might be a long shot, but do you think they pull an offer from they pull an offer away from Lamelo Ball and say, well, you know, we don't really want this a part of our program? I don't know. That's it's a an really, interesting topic. That's isn't a it? really really good one to like get into. Honestly, I I. I would think maybe not just because it seems like so far they've been able to handle the attention mm-hmm. in the best way possible. Maybe they don't mind it. Maybe I it just, just feel brings... like it's becoming less about basketball and more about True, LeVar but Ball. it also brings more watches to UCLA basketball. Indeed, I can tell you right now, towards the end of last year even, when this mm-hmm. you know wasn't even as big, it was still like you know Lonzo's just kind of at UCLA and the whole thing started to get going with him and his dad. I wanted to watch UCLA in the NCAA tournament specifically just because I wanted to I wanted to see how this kid yeah. did because he gets you so into it, and it's almost like the same thing with the rest of these guys. I can guarantee you a lot of people are going to want to see how Leangelo does when he comes back from something like this. Yeah, I mean, and I think what's going to come down UCLA to UCLA might like that. It, well, it, that it, my, my thing is if UCLA struggles with the intention, with, with the attention that they're getting through all this, if they struggle with that, if that's not a good— If it keeps looking bad in your school, yeah. you got to make a move. Well, you got you got to decide. You know what's what's more important, publicity or integrity, and that, that's what kind of publicity is it? Is it good or is it bad? Exactly. Is it a good or a bad look? Exactly. It's definitely interesting. Something we got to keep our eyes on, really, for a while. Because I feel like Lavar's Lavar Ball is just you know, he's always in the in the media, and President Donald Trump he's he's the president of the United States. He's always in the media too. And there's two two figureheads, one way bigger than the other, <laughs> but 
Lavar's trying to get on his level, and that that's that's clear. It's it's clear. It's 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 really interesting. No, yeah, it's 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 definitely something that you, we'll keep paying attention to because you're almost forced to. You, yeah, you, you can't get away Twitter. from it. You can't. It's it's in the social media world, and I mean, he's getting what he wants. It seems to be. I mean, Lavar doesn't care. I think what you were saying about you know, it almost seemed like Trump was kind of being the good guy in this one. It's like he doesn't really care. I think I think he just. He'll do anything to spark the fight and, and you know interrogate it and keep it going. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I think Lavar balls at as a person. He's just someone that likes to keep the drama rolling. So and you know what? Now he's going to be on. There's I think he's on CNN tonight. Right now, actually, I think at ten. Of course, <laughs> I think they got him on CNN to talk about the whole situation because now he's involved in politics because oh, he you know he goodness. went with Trump. It's it's a mess. Oh well, he's what also going to teach his kid every subject. So he's a professor. He's, he's everything. He's, he's everything. He's a big baller. He, every, he's a big baller. As Dylan would say, he's a big baller. That, that <laughs> that's where he's at. Uh, but, oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that some more time, but we'll finish up the show here real quick. Uh, we'll we'll go with our stud and dud. Evan, who's your stud? Yeah. So for my stud, I got San Diego State running back Rashad Penny. He had 429 yards against Nevada to break wow. the program record. And that was for single-game all-purpose yards. He had 222 rushing yards for two touchdowns. He scored on a kickoff return. He scored on a punt return. Second player in FBS uh, you know, history in the last 10 years to record a touchdown in all those three ways, rushing, punt return, and kick return. That's insane. The last one was Missouri's Marcus Murphy against Florida in 2014, but those are the only two in the past 10 years. That's unreal. Heck of a heck of a game for that guy. Wow, that's that's something I didn't even know about. I didn't yeah. hear about that over the weekend, so impressive find yeah, Unreal. There. One that all you guys definitely heard about, I mean, especially in this state, Grayson Allen, he's my stud. I know I might get a lot of hate for that, and some people just don't like the guy, period. And it's understandable. He's he's had his uh, his issues in the past, but the guy's a baller. He's a He's got ice in his veins when it comes down to it. And 37 points against Michigan State, and the way he was able to end that game was just so impressive to watch as a basketball fan. Yeah, you know, I think he's, uh, he's one of those guys where, yeah, maybe his character on the court, he can be a dud sometimes. But when you look at that stat line, he's he's a stud with the stat line. It's just as a bad. Like, I, I'm not I'm not taking my opinion into how I feel about him off the court or on the court as a player at all. I'm, I'm just saying it with you know what what he does when he does play because mm-hmm. when his head's actually straight and he's in the right mindset, this guy can be a great basketball player. So if he can keep that kind of stuff up, it's great. But he was simply the reason they beat Michigan State. He oh, yeah. beat Michigan State, which is the number two team in the country and still arguably one of the best teams in the country. He beat him pretty much by himself, so I think that's pretty impressive. But, Evan, uh, what's your dud? My dud is Iowa. So they beat Ohio State 55-24 to at Kinnick Stadium, and then since then they have scored 14 offensive points and lost back-to-back games um, against Wisconsin and Purdue. And that, that, that's, just, that's just unheard of. I mean, that's not I, – I don't know. I, I don't know where that comes from. It's when the you, Big when you, Ten this year, man. It is. It is. I mean – What is the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, you lose to Wisconsin on the road, like, okay, I get that. But then you lose to a, a five and six Purdue team at home. I mean, Iowa just looks awful. <laughs> Purdue. I know. This is, this, beat Purdue. I know. This is an awful <laughs> Iowa team, and this is not the way they wanted to end their season, so that's why I was my dud. No, yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of where you look at it. But like you said, with you know Ohio State, they were able to beat Ohio State like that. Ohio State lost to a team like that. So even though Michigan hasn't been able to beat, uh, beat good teams, watch out for that game this weekend. That'll be a big one. Um, But – my dud is the team we were uh, hyping up just a week ago, the Detroit Pistons, man. I think we're going to ride this this wave all year. Um, they, uh, It's not really even so much tonight. They ended up losing the Cavaliers tonight, 116-88, to which, yeah, okay, they got blown out, but it's the Cavs. It's probably what's going to happen no matter what. Yeah, they got a win on Sunday, but it was by three points again, barely. They were able to actually finish that one. The problem I have is the two games before that. Milwaukee and the Pacers, they had both those games, one at the end of the game, and they allowed the team to come back and beat them. That's what you can't do if you're going to be a good team and be one of the top seeds. 
it's just not acceptable losing three of your last four and two of them being the two teams that are definitely lesser in talent than I think the Pistons have right now, and they weren't able to capitalize and be able to get the wins. So nothing really nothing really doing for them there. We'll see if they're able to rebound. It's something we kind of talked about, um, if they're able to get those attitudes off that team and kind of put them in a positive direction when they're in stretches like this. So we'll see how they're able to respond, and we'll keep up on them. Um, but thank you guys for listening. That's all we got this week. You can keep uh, listening to us off CM Life Sports, the CM Life account. Uh, it's where you can find us and listen to us. But thank you guys for listening. For Evan, I'm Andy, and we'll talk at you next time.